Welcome to Detour to Neverland, your guide to living your best Disney life through your hobby or business. Here's your hosts, Brendan and Catherine. Welcome back to Detour to Neverland. Today is episode number 94. It's also our first episode in the month of June, so happy June. If you are like us, June and July are the best months of the year because Catherine is on summer break and we're able to have a lot more free time. So we look forward to connecting with you guys a lot more on social media and hopefully doing some new things with the podcast. We'll see what happens. But before we get into our interview, um, last couple of episodes we have mentioned that we have a new voicemail line. We should be able to have a collection of those from our last couple of questions to play pretty soon. If you want to get any last-minute answers into those, the questions were, A, just to introduce yourself, tell where you're listening from, and plug any social media or websites that you have that you would like for Detour listeners uh, to connect with. And the other was one of our Fast Pass Round questions of, what ride or attraction do you think is due for an exit or a refurbishment from the parks? But our question now that we're asking to you, and you can call in and give your answer to this, is what upcoming attraction are you most excited for so is it the guardians coaster is it one of the rides in galaxy's edge um is it the ratatouille ride just whatever it is call us in and let us know what you're excited about and why so the number is 615-200-6048 again that's 615-200-6048 and we'll play all of the answers to those very soon in an upcoming episode. So our guest today is someone that Catherine and I are really big fans of. I think there's a lot of parallels between our story and his story, and the content that he's able to put out is also valuable, and we have so much admiration for everything that he's going on. And I think, honestly, Connor is going great places, and so we're happy to share his story now, and I hope to connect later on as well once Things unfold and we kind of all get our place within this community. So it's Connor Brown, who is the founder and the person putting in all the work for WDW Opinion. So WDW Opinion is a website that has a blog, a podcast, and he does weekly live streams, and he has a Facebook community. So, so much going on. So we have a lot of topics to discuss in this episode. So let's go ahead and jump into it. And I'm going to play our episode with Connor Brown from WDW Opinion. Yeah, well, thank you guys so very much for having me. Um, my name's Connor Brown. Uh, you know, like we said, I'm the founder of WDW Opinion. I'm born and raised in Maryland, just outside of D.C., the nation's capital. Um, I'm in marketing, uh, so I do a lot of social media stuff. I do a lot of email stuff in my daily life outside of WDW Opinion. So I'm able to use the skills that I learn in my my daily job, my nine to five on WDW Opinion, but it's a blog, it's a podcast, it's a it's a community, and the, the goal of it is to help people plan for and daydream about their next perfect Disney vacation. I'm always so jealous when people have real jobs that help with their side hustle because me and Brendan are so blind when it comes to all that. We were not prepared. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it helps a lot, but 
the bigger thing, the passion for what you're doing, that's something that, that can't be taught. And if you're going into this and you don't know what SEO is, if you don't know how to properly use, you know, hashtags or whatever, that all can be learned through trial and error and stuff like that. It's the passion that you have to have going into anything. That's the only way you'll be successful in, in, in any of it. I think we found our sound soundbite. <laughs> You're already dropping some value bombs. I love it. But a um, couple minutes in, right on. Yeah, we're we're off with a quick start. So, let's. I know it's something um, that you've shared um, on your podcast about kind of your Disney story and and how it's always played a prevalent part in your life. But I think it bears repeating because I think so many people can relate to it. So if you can go ahead and tell us, kind of where did this love and passion for Disney develop for you? It never didn't exist for me. I like to say I was born with Disney in my blood. I think listeners to Detour will especially understand that. I know you guys do as well. It's something you can't describe. You don't know why it's there or why it impacts you so much. You just know that it's it's always been there. For me, I've been going to the parks ever since I was a little kid, since I was three. Uh, been going pretty much every other year after that, then around late middle school, my family got the opportunity to become Disney Vacation Club members, which was awesome for me because that meant more Disney trips. Uh, ever since I knew about Disney World, I knew I wanted to work there. I knew that, I guess going into college, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know what I wanted to study. I just knew I wanted to work at Disney World. And that dates back to a lot longer before that because my mom actually worked at Disney World. She did the Disney College program um, back in its first few years uh, of its existence. And I was like, wow, that would be so cool to be able to follow in my mom's footsteps and, and do that as well. I was extremely blessed to have the opportunity to do that once I graduated college. And I had a simple plan. I was going to work at Disney World uh, in the college program, I was going to roll that into a professional internship and I was going to roll that professional internship into a job and I was going to work there for the rest of my life because I was so passionate about Disney that I needed that to, to, to feel fulfilled. And I got a third of the way there, right? I got to work at Disney World in the college program. I worked at Front Desk at Yacht Club and Beach Club. And then I also worked on the Seven Dwarfs Mine Train which was awesome. But unfortunately, you know, I didn't get that professional internship. I didn't get that full-time corporate gig. So I kind of went back home a little bit with my tail between my legs, uh, back to Maryland. And right before I left, I actually had like a couple of job interviews with other podcasts and stuff. And I, I didn't get any of them. But back in Maryland, I told myself, you know, they'll come calling, they'll come calling, they'll come calling. And one day I'm sitting there and it just hits me. And I said, why am I letting someone else dictate my life? Why am I waiting for someone else to give me this opportunity? I just have to go out there and make it for myself. I'm passionate about Disney World, but I'm passionate about showing other people how great Disney World is. And that's how WDW Opinion started it. It started as an outlet for me to share my passion so that others could experience the magic. I love that. And I think that whole story just, you know, you had this dream um, and then you kind of had to reevaluate and replan. And I think, you know, we've been in that boat so many times. I feel like all of our friends, everyone we know has been in that boat. You know, you have this grand plan and it doesn't work out. So you have to reevaluate. And I think sticking with what you loved led you into creating this, you know, huge 
empire almost with WDW opinion. You do so many different things. And I think that that's just so inspiring for anyone kind of going through that same thing Um, because it is really easy to get in your head or think, you know, oh, it didn't work out. Like it'll never work out. Um, But just taking, you know, the reins and, you know, reminding yourself that you're in control. I think that's so inspirational. Thank you. Thank you for referring to it as an empire. I was going for (laughs) media conglomerate, but empire I think will do just fine. And it's also something where when I got to Disney World, I loved working there, but I also knew, you know, working at Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, working the front desk, it wasn't something I wanted to do forever. So, So knowing something that you want to do your whole life when it turns out to not be exactly what it is, that's a, that's a scary time. But I still had that passion for Disney and I use this outlet as a way to, you know, fuel that passion so that, you know, I can be happy. I can talk about what I love and I just am very, very happy with, with where it's gone, but I'm also very happy with, you know, the community that's built around it because at the end of the day, Disney world's a great place. It's an awesome place to go to. It's my favorite place in the world, but the people that make it up, the people that make up the community are what make it truly spectacular. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think I'm I have like just a hint of jealousy that like and I guess I don't know how much time passed, but it took me a long time to realize like, hey, I can take this into my own hands. But it took me two different jobs to to realize that. <laughs> <Or> three. <laughs> three jobs to realize that like I had that power and I think naturally kind of as as young people who are fresh out of college and and don't have a ton of experience you put all these other people on a pedestal you put someone who has a podcast or or has a website that's disney focused on this pedestal and you think it's unattainable but really in today's world where the internet is at your fingertips you can start anything pretty much overnight and if you're consistent and passionate about it then, then you can build something like that of your own so i think that's so admirable that you came to that conclusion, you know, and and had that clarity to start building something pretty quickly. Yeah, and it ain't easy. I mean, <laughs> it's a lot of hard work, but I always tell myself, man, I wish I started a little sooner. I wish I started a little sooner. I would be a little further along right now. You just got to do it. There are definitely times I probably say to myself once a week, like, what are you doing? You're, you're a lunatic. Are you, what are you doing with this thing? You know, but you just keep going. There will be times when it seems like no one is out there that you're, you're screaming and you're just screaming at a wall. No one can hear you. And then there are times where you're inundated with people saying, this is great. I love this with people, you know, commenting in, in our Facebook group, you just have to take the good moments and always continue to find them, right? You just can't give up. You can never give up. I tell myself that all the time. Just just don't give up. Just keep doing it. Just keep doing it. Chug along because whatever happens to it, I enjoy doing it. It makes me happy. And if that's the only thing I get out of it, that's fine for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I think that never giving up is something that a lot of people say, but it does have such a deeper meaning than maybe it appears on the surface um, we actually had an experience recently where, you know, and we've never been worried about like our follower count on Instagram or what our follower to following ratio is, but I am, I do really want to see the people's posts that I'm following. So I, I went through all the people that I was following and, and 
ironically, a lot of them were people that like started out the same time as us, opening a shop or starting a blog or just starting an Instagram account that we, you know, followed and, and hoped to grow with. And so many of those people have given up. And it was such a surreal moment to realize, Catherine, we've actually made it through kind of a first wave. Like so many other people have reached these tough points and weren't able to push through. Um, so it is an accomplishment and it's something that it's tough to get through, but it is so worth it once you do. Like, you know how great quitting feels? Like if you ever <laughs> quit something, like it's a really good feeling. Like stuff where you're like, oh, I don't have to do this anymore. Oh my gosh, I can watch Netflix. I can't, I don't have to do anything else. It is a, a good feeling until all of a sudden regret takes over. Mm-hmm. The instant, the instant when you quit, it feels good. Then a day later, regret sits in. A week later, a month later, a couple years later, regret consumes you. That mentality of never quitting is really just never regretting anything. You keep going and you keep doing it day in and day out. And I just want to have a little bit of an impact. Like I'm, I'm like you guys. I don't care about the vanity metrics. I don't care how many, uh, you know, downloads I get. I don't care how many Facebook uh, likes or Instagram followers I have. I just care about about the about the engagement, meaning people saying, "Hey, I listened to this. I really enjoyed it." If I get one of those a month, I'll know what I'm doing is is correct. It's it's making an impact. I just want to make an impact. I don't I don't care how how widespread it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. A question that I've been contemplating putting into the podcast and kind of making it a mainstay question. I'm going to test it out now because I think... Oh, I boy. Think, I'm the guinea pig? Yep, you're the guinea pig. Oh, and I okay. actually haven't even ran this by Catherine yet. Oh. But I think like in a business world, a lot of people talk about KPIs. And I I don't necessarily want to use that term. You might have to break it down for us non-business people. <laughs> so a key performance indicator of like, how do you gauge your success? And I think we would all agree that if you're judging it by downloads or if you're judging it by you know website hits that it's not necessarily the right thing so i can share ours it's like how many messages we get of people saying like hey i really related to this person or we see someone comment on one of our guest posts and say hey i heard you on detour to neverland like we have this in common we have you know this have you had any thoughts on that of kind of what is it that makes you feel like you've had a successful day what is it that that really you know sets that next milestone for you it's those messages like you're talking about it's communication clicking a like button clicking a follower button is in today's day and age very passive right we have to get social back into social media that means engaging with people that means reaching out to people that means building a community where if we were in a bar we would go up and talk to someone it's the same exact thing it's just we're on our phones. We're connected to people across the world. It's one big bar, right? It's one big community. Getting those messages of, hey, I really enjoyed this, or even if it's just a question, even if it's con- you know constructive criticism, like, hey, could you do this or do that a little bit better? That's how I you know, measure success. Guys, it's about getting an email that says, I just wanted to let you know I was watching your Facebook Live uh, you know, last week and I was cooking dinner and I was watching it on my phone and my daughter came running into the room because she heard her your voice. And when she hears your voice, she knows it's about Disney and she wants to listen. 
I got an email like that and I still get goosebumps and I almost get teary eyed talking about it right here, right now, because that impact's incredible. Like a guy who listens to my show, who watches my uh, live stream, his daughter knows my voice, like how intimate that is. That's, that's incredible. And that's what keeps me going. Those stories and those messages, that's why I continue to do what I do. I knew you'd be a good guinea pig for that question because <laughs> I remember hearing, I think it was in episode zero of your podcast about, you know, saying whatever is a blog post or something about Stitch's Greatest Grape not being like a good <laughs> ride. And someone had like a petition ready to go, like bring back Stitch's Great Escape. And I think, you know, at first glance, it's like, what in the world is this? But that person cared enough to interact, to reach mm-hmm. out and to say, like, I have a differing opinion than you. Here's, like, what I'm trying to do about it. And, Brendan, that's exactly why I started WDW Opinion. Growing up, I would listen to podcasts. I would watch YouTube videos. I would try to live vicariously through these people in Disney World. And oftentimes, I would I would scream at my computer. I'd scream at my phone, listen to podcasts. Like, what are you talking about? That That's awful. I hate that. And what WDW Opinion is is it's not for me to, it's a way, yes, for me and my co-host Hank on the podcast to share, you know, expertise, to share our opinions on Disney World, to share a former cast member in myself's thoughts and opinions on Disney World. It's about having that community share their opinions as well. I'm not infallible, right? What I say isn't correct 100% of the time. It's correct for me and for my opinions. Disney World's a world. There's so much that goes on to it, that goes into it. It's not going to appeal to everyone. Every attraction isn't going to be beloved by everyone. But what WDW Opinion is, is a way for others to connect with fellow opinioners so that they can hear their thoughts and opinions on Disney World so that it's something beyond just Hank and I talking on a podcast. Yeah. It's, we're, here's our tangent that we're going on. <laughs> Connor? We know about your experience as a cast member. Obviously, you're at Yacht and Beach Club. Then you moved over to what some people would consider. I'm, like, nervous for the way that Brendan is going to ask this question. No, please. (laughs) The e-ticket attraction of Magic Kingdom, Seven Dwarves Mine Train. Catherine and I have been very public in our (laughs) opinion that we do not believe it is an e-ticket attraction. Here's your chance. What, What is your true opinion Maybe, what is the maximum amount of time that you would wait for Seven Tours Mind Train? Oh, now I, I like, wouldn't wait for it. I mean, (laughs) we got some hot takes that are about to come out of of my mouth right now. (laughs) I I mean, I think, oh, God almighty. Um, (laughs) Mind Train's a good attraction. I think it is overhyped. That being said, as someone who worked there, even before I worked there, I wouldn't I wouldn't have waited, you know, in two hour lines. I mean, I, I God, there's guys, there's only a few attractions I would wait over an hour for at Walt Disney World. Probably also because you know I go there all the time. But Mind Train is another perfect example of people having different opinions. Mm-hmm. So there's a uh, a position when you work on the Mind Train, when you work on most attractions, it's called unload, right? Train comes into the station. You welcome the riders back. You say, exit to your right. Grab your personal belongings. Exit to your right. Sometimes people would get off the train and be like, that was it. That, <laughs> that, was, that was a ride. 
And I'm like, <laughs> yes, uh, sorry, I guess. Other times people would jump off and be like, oh my God, that was incredible. That was awesome. They'd be thanking you. I'd have to stop them and tell them, hey, I appreciate that. Just to let you know, I did not build that attraction, but thank you for, <laughs> for thanking me. Uh, so there it is to each his own. Um, I would only ride it with a fast pass, but having worked there for as long as I did, seeing the joy for people, you know, that it was their first roller coaster, their joy of riding it with your family members. It's still very, very popular, uh, popular and people really, really do love it. So to each his own for me, it's, it's obviously I have a lot riding on it cause I love it in a different way. I love it beyond it being attraction. I love it because of the memories I had there. Mm-hmm. That's fair. That is fair. <laughs> Are you, are you, you, if you guys want me to say it's awful, I mean, I'm not. No, I, no, 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 no. no. I, know, I don't I think it's awful either, honestly. It's I think a well-built ride. It's I, very smooth. I think what a nice compliment. It, I love that <laughs> ride. I always hear that compliment too. Like, it's smooth. But I would also tell people when they would come to line in the line and they're like, wait time's uh, really uh, two and a half hours? I'm like, yep, two and a half hours. And they're like, is it worth it? And I would just say, I like I couldn't tell them that probably not. I would just say, well, the ride itself is two minutes and thirty seconds. Mm-hmm. Like that puts every ride into perspective, right? I don't think anything is as good for to 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 justify like a two and a half hour wait. You know, to some it might be, to others it it, it might not. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a great way of looking at. It. I recently I've been trying to look at it as more of a dark ride, and like as a themed dark ride instead of a roller coaster and i think that's helped me like (laughs) justify it a little bit more but i'm still not rope dropping it i'm still not fast passing it like only on like a ticketed event maybe is when we'll ride it yeah and then you know you get time freed up to go uh ride whatever ride you do want so you can also look at it that way it's just not on your list i just i'm sorry we had to go on the tangent but i just it's not often that we, to it's not often we get to talk to a former cast member on that attraction. So yeah. I appreciate and it was, your honest oh, opinion. Oh, absolutely. That's what I'm all about. Um, and it was, it was insane working on that attraction. I mean, it was fun, but going from working front desk at the yacht and beach club resort, which is a very laid back resort. Like when you compare that to the all stars, I've had plenty of people who love working at the All-Stars. The All-Stars have a, a ton of check-ins every single day. Yacht and Beach Club, in the grand scheme of things, not a whole lot of check-ins on your average day. So it was very laid back. I used to work like curbside check-in, which was a ton of fun. Going from that to, at the time, the newest attraction, uh, which was and still is the busiest attraction in the busiest theme park in the world, like it was a culture shock going you know, 2.1 miles away you're working in a completely different world. So I learned a lot. It was crazy, but I had a blast. Mm-hmm. Well, good deal. So now we're going to get back on track. <laughs> Pun mm-hmm. intended. Nice. Um, so I think it's something that I sent you in my very first pitch to you to come on the show is that you are a content machine. I mean, you're doing your podcast weekly. You're doing a weekly live stream every Tuesday night. And then you're also pumping out all these blog posts and interacting on all your social medias. So we aspire to kind of have that much reach and, and be on that different, so many different mediums of content. 
So do you have any tips or advice to kind of how do you streamline all of that and keep it straight in your head of, you know, what you're going to spend your time on and, and what's that next piece of content that you're going to be working on? Yeah. Tip number one, super simple. Don't have a life. Uh, that helps <laughs> immensely. The big part of why I produce, I guess, so much content. And at times I think you got to produce more, you got to do more, you got to do more is I'm trying to put out as much content I can across different mediums. Right? So the reason I do a podcast every week is because I know, Hey, there's a lot of people that commute who want to hear about this. There's a lot of people that want to listen to this at work. The reason I do a live show every week is because I'm like, Hey, I bet you there's a ton of people out there who want to just sit down and watch a video want to interact with, with their, their people, um, with fellow opinioneers. Reason I do a blog is, is kind of the same thing. Like someone just might want to sit down and read something they prefer to read. You kind of have to take it into that approach of, when you're trying to become, you know, Brendan, like you said, a content machine, uh, you want to hit as many mediums as possible just so that you hit and make an impact on different types of people. When it comes to the planning and the process, it's incredible. And I, I can't stress this enough. A little bit of planning goes a long way. Was it, I think General Patton said, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. If you sit down and in your head you're like, okay, I gotta post, I gotta post an Instagram photo today, I gotta write a blog, I got to edit the podcast, I gotta do all this today, and I gotta do this every single week. If you just have that in your head, you're never actually gonna do it. You have to take time out of certain days to do certain topics. So I kind of break it up by days. So on um, Sunday is podcast day. So I will edit the podcast on Sunday. On Monday, I will just go hard on promoting it, on interacting with people. Um, that's Monday. On Tuesday, I'll do my live stream. On Wednesday, I'll record my podcast. And then Thursday, Friday is kind of up in the air. Thursday, I'll write my newsletter. On Saturday is typically when I will sit down at the beginning of the month and I'll just try to crank out four blog posts. Those things, taking time here and there, help so much in breaking it up and not being incredibly stressed out when it comes time to it. You have to take the time to do a little bit of planning because it'll go a long way. And I do that across the board with all my content. You know, I sat down a few months ago and just typed out every single every single topic I want to talk about on the blog. I do that. I have Evernotes in Evernote um, where I'm just like, Good topic for a blog. Good topic for, um, for uh, a podcast episode. Always having that on my phone with me is great because you never know when I, an idea is going to strike. But it's also a treasure trove I can go to when I'm like, oh gosh, we have to find a topic. What are we going to talk about this week? I look at that list, um, and and we have one. It's all about taking just a little bit of time to plan, a little bit of time to be organized. And it's so much easier in the long run to produce that content at scale. Did you take notes, Catherine? I did. I was going to say, I like the the week thing, you know, like focusing on just one thing at a time because that would that's a very easy way to get overwhelmed, like you said. And I never thought about it like that because I'm very much a to-do list kind of person. Um, but I feel like even with so much content to create even a to-do list could be like daunting mm -hmm. and it's important because 
I want to keep the quality at a premium just as much as I want the quantity to be to be high as well. So taking the time to sit down and lock in, do deep work on the podcast, be focused just on the podcast, in the end produces the best product. Just like sitting down and cranking out four blog posts, I get in an element, I get in a rhythm where I'm just typing and I'm making sense and it's it's really good work. That sort of scheduling and things, when it comes time to actually post it, to actually send out the podcast, it just helps immensely. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, and I can kind of share our downfall in that area, is a lot of times we try to view things in a much bigger bite that we can chew. So we'll say like, let's plan for the next month. It's like, all right, well, how many podcasts do we have queued up to drop this month? It's like, oh, we have three on the docket and we don't know who like the next, you know, other five are going to be dropping at the end of this month. And then it's like, all right, well, we hit a dead end, so let's stop. But I think on a weekly basis, that's something that's much more um, attainable and, and easier to process through. And that's also where the Evernote stuff comes in too, because you can still go about your day-to-day life and have this in the back of your head. So I could just be sitting there completely removed, watching TV, an idea pops into my head. Hey, I'm not going to act on this idea right now because I, I want to kind of chill out right now, but I'm going to pull out my phone. I'm going to put in an Evernote and then I'm going to go back and execute on that later. Breaking it up chunk by chunk really helps, really, really helps. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we just have two more questions and then we'll head into the fast pass round, I promise. But it has all been such great um, conversation that, that I'm so happy to to kind of get these answers out there. But obviously, uh, or not obviously, but some of our listeners and some of the people listening to this might be part of the WDW Opinioneers Facebook community. So I just joined a couple weeks ago and it is incredibly interactive. Um, and there's a lot of great discussion that goes back with each of them. And, and then obviously you're pushing kind of the conversations and, and other people are sharing things as well, which I think is such a unique aspect of it. Facebook has been something that has eluded us immensely. And we've talked to some other people that Facebook has just kind of been a, a tough thing to crack. So without giving away your tricks of the trade, <laughs> but just kind of what strategies or tips do you have to how to build an engaged community on that platform? You have to treat people like people, right? I've never posted a piece of content. I've never... Um, written a blog or, or come up with a podcast idea thinking, oh, the way this is going to work, the al- this is going to hit the algorithm. This is going to be a home run. I just do stuff that I think I want to hear. And it kind of just goes from there. I guess if you come at the mindset of, I want to understand this a little bit better. I think this would be important to know. I bet you there's someone else out there that does that. That's a really, really useful tool in in putting content out there that creates a community. But it's also about actually having a community, meaning they're not your listeners. They're not your fans. I hate that word fan. They're members of the Opinioneer community. We're all in this together, whether we're making the content or not. It's all about a community. And that's where, you know, I said kind of at the beginning of the show, we have to put social back in social media. And I truly believe that, especially on Facebook with so much stuff getting lost, even on Instagram, so much stuff gets lost. If you just interact with people 
like you're standing right next to them, having a conversation with them, that will go over immensely well in your conquest to build that community. It's giving them a place to engage with others just as much as it's giving them a place to engage with yourself. So I think my tip there is just just treat people like people. Talk to them, engage with them, listen to them. Listen, listen, listen. You don't just want to be someone spewing stuff and not getting anything back. Someone comments on it, you know, comment right back. Great idea, interesting thought, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Just really talk to people. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good tip. And that's very, I mean, that sounds so easy. And I love that. And I think um, it's just a change in mindset, I yeah, think, more it than is. anything. Yeah. And that's one of the things that. I never saw coming. I didn't see, you know, a community like this forming around just content that, that, you know, me or Hank are are producing, but the community of, you know, content creators, like you guys talk to all the time on detour or the community of just Disney fans is incredible. And if you're passionate about Disney, why wouldn't you want to interact with other passionate Disney fans? I think it's a no brainer. I get pleasure out of it. You know, when the other day I posted a, a, um, a blog post about the polite pig a review. If you haven't been there, it's great. Uh, you can also read the, read the review. Um, but I shared it in the opinioners community and the guy was like, huh, I'm going there tomorrow. I think I'll stop by. And I was like, when you do let us know, you know, I wanted to continue that conversation. He got back and he was like, I loved it. It was awesome. Thanks for the tip. That sort of conversations, keeping it going. It doesn't have to end, you know, on one comment or something. Just talk to people like they're people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. For the record, we really enjoy Polite Pig as well. <laughs> good. Good. Team Polite Pig. Yes. <laughs> All right. So our last question before we head into our fast, fast round. Um, I'm interested to know kind of what is the catalyst behind WW opinion. And what I mean by that is if you're working on, like if you have an hour and let's take the days of the week out of it, cause I know that, that <laughs> you have your plan set in place, but what is it that drives you? Is it the podcast? Is it the blog? Is it the Facebook community? Kind of what is the, the engine that makes all of it go? If that makes sense. I think, I think it's got to be the Facebook community, which is interesting because that's the thing I plan the least. Like I can't, you know, say, all right, at this hour, we're going to answer all these questions. We're going to comment on all these responses. It's just something that you have to kind of let, I don't want to say consume you, but it just kind of has to come over you of, I got to check this. I got to make sure everyone's, everyone's uh, playing nice in there. I got to make sure there aren't any unanswered questions, but at the end of the day, that's what I spend the most time on because I know it's impact. I know people helping people can only be good in, in the grand scheme of things. I probably spend the most time, you know, working through the podcast because I think that medium is is very intimate, you know, listening to someone. I think it can have the most impact on someone. That's where, you know, it's we had, we do long shows. This is probably also a long show that's going on uh, because I talk a lot. But you can get a lot of a lot of content in there, a lot of info in there. But the Facebook community is really, I think, what I try to focus on the most, just because 
I want to give these people as much as humanly possible. Um, that's what I'm really passionate about. It's about helping people, right? And the best way to do that is through the community. So I think that, you know, community idea goes beyond just Facebook. It could be, you know, uh, responding to people on Instagram. It could be answering emails. Um, just across the board with that, it's it's kind of engaging with the community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is interesting that that's kind of never what you planned for it to be. Um, but I think that's such like a, a wonderful thing to fall into and, and kind of finding where it is that, that your message resonates and, and where you're able to connect with the most people. So, Connor, I thank you so much for going through this first person of the podcast and letting us learn more about WW Opinion. We love what you have going on over there. Um, love what you and Hank do on the podcast as well. We've been tuning in. We would highly recommend anybody else connecting over there as well. So before we head into our fast fast round, we're going to hear a quick message from our partners and then we'll be back. Do you like Star Wars? How about Marvel? How about Disney? If you answered yes to any of these, we'd love to have you listen to our new podcast, Kingdom Outcast. We're just three guys chatting about news, topics, and events in the Disney universe. Find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. Good deal. So, Connor, we're going to go through our fast pass round. We're just going to throw out these Disney topics. And if you can just kind of share the first thing that comes to your mind so our listeners can get to know your Disney fandom a little bit better. Let's do it. So, the first one is an easy one. Um, Just name the Disney parks that you visited. I've only been to Disney World. So, all four parks there. I haven't been to any other parks around the world. Hoping to get out to California maybe later this summer. So out of those four parks in Walt Disney World, which one is your favorite and why? I'm glad you asked this question because I've had a full epiphany in the last couple of weeks. <laughs> I used to always say, oh man, I, you know what? Boy, boy, golly, I really like Hollywood Studios, but I would be kind of sheepish about it, you know? I'm full on, man. Hollywood Studios, that's my favorite park. I feel like it's really hot to say that right now, even though not a whole lot is going on in Hollywood Studios. But when my mom actually kind of helped me realize that was always the last park we would visit on our on our vacations like it could never justify why do i like hollywood studios so much it didn't make any sense but then my mom was like that was always the last theme park we visited of like that's my most recent memory that's why i grew up loving hollywood studios that's why it's my favorite place i respect that i don't know if we've ever i i can think of one other and that was the solo photographer he said hollywood studios um, but I, I like that answer. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Cause you're supposed to say magic kingdom, right? Like everyone's <laughs> like, you're supposed to say, ma-. but everyone loves magic kingdom. But when I walk into Hollywood studios, I think that's when, when you first walk into it, that's when you can determine, you know, is this your favorite park? And, uh, there's just a different feeling when I walk into that place. So are you excited for all of the star Wars to come to Hollywood studios? Or are you a little apprehensive? There's no apprehension other than the crowds. Like, I uh, am just anxious about the crowds. Uh, It's going to be incredible. I mean, I don't think they're going to let us down. I think it's so very, very, very important for the future of the parks. This is going to be a super high-engaging area. This is going to be a super interactive area. So what this means even down the road, whether you're a Star Wars fan or not, we're all theme park fans. We're all Disney fans. It's a big deal, and I, I can't wait for it to open. Mm-hmm. 
So next one would be your Disney bucket list trip. Right now, everyone's talking so much about Tokyo Disneyland and Tokyo Disney Sea. I would love to do that or like all the parks in the world in a week or whatever it is. But I kind of want to be a little more grounded. And have you guys ever talked about or ever heard of the Parkology Challenge? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Okay. So it's the challenge to ride every single moving Disney World attraction in one day. I would love to try to do that right now. I believe there are 49 attractions. Uh, Only a few people have ever done it. Uh, Now that you have Toy Story Land, now that you have Galaxy's Edge about to open, it's only going to get harder and harder. But I think that sort of dream trip of doing all that in one day would be really, really cool. That sounds like a lot. That's Oh, it's stressful. You're not going to have fun doing it. Like It's (laughs) going to be a nightmare, but uh, it would be cool. That's like when you go to the running store and get like some brand new running shoes. <laughs> like the oh, yeah. like the gel stuff to like give you energy. <laughs> oh yeah. You yeah. got your walking sticks, you know, <laughs> you're you're cruising through people. Yeah. <laughs> so next one would be your favorite Disney resort. And it doesn't necessarily have to be one that you've stayed at. So I have stayed at this one um, numerous times. It's it's Animal Kingdom Lodge. Disney World's is it's a place that you're not supposed to feel like you've ever been to any other place, right? It creates a world that is so different than what you do in your day-to-day life. Waking up to animals, seeing all the details, being fully immersed in almost Africa, like an African savanna, that's why Animal Kingdom is so cool. Animal King Lodge is so cool. Plus, all the dining is awesome. Seeing the animals, it's a home run. Is that your DVC home resort? No, Family's DVC Home Resort is Saratoga Springs, which I also love. I feel is very underrated, and it's cool to stay there now, especially with Disney Springs, which is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. We've not stayed at Saratoga or Animal Kingdom yet. Mm-mm. Saratoga, it's funny. If you're a DVC member, I recommend staying there, especially if you want to get more Disney Springs action. Um, I don't know if I can just recommend it like for the average kind of person like you just need a room uh it's big it's sprawling there's not a whole lot of dining options um it's very memory focused for me like i have a lot of good memories there so that's why i love it Mm -hmm. that makes sense yeah i think my brother has stayed there so many times because they like plan last minute trips and saratoga always has availability (laughs) so that's that's like it's awesome appeal it's you want to plan a quick trip we got you covered saratoga has rooms (laughs) yeah So this next question might involve some strategy, but if you could only fast pass one ride for the rest of your life, which one would it be? I love stock. I love talking to strategery. Uh, <laughs> so this question is tricky because you're not asking, you know, what's your favorite attraction? You're saying, what's the attraction you would fast pass for the rest of your life? For me, it would be Splash Mountain. Reason being is I always say if I could guarantee that I wouldn't get wet on Splash Mountain, I would ride it over and over and over again. Like getting wet is the only thing I hate about it. It's every single perfect element of a good Disney attraction. It has a it has great music. It has a great story. It's got a ton of animatronics. And it's funny at times. It's adventurous at times. It's a little bit scary. 
it tells a perfect story like a Disney movie does. So taking that idea and putting it into the real world, because that's what Walt kind of wanted. He wanted a, where, a place for people to experience the films that they create. Splash Mountain is, is that perfect representation of taking a, a story, putting you in that story, and it's something you can't experience anywhere else. Plus, all the animatronics are super, super fun. So that's the one place... I would, you know, fast pass um, until until the uh, the cows came home. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> we have just recently, like, found a new love for Splash Mountain because, like you said, the whole getting wet thing kind of deterred us from riding it for a while. Because um, as a kid, like, you want to ride it, you don't really care about getting wet, but you also don't appreciate, you know, everything that you said with the storytelling and the music and the emotions that are with it. And recently. We wrote it, I guess, in Disneyland. Well, I was going to say, I think that's what did it for us in Disneyland is because it was probably other people were not enjoying it, but we were super backed up. So every single Mm. lift, there was a line to be lifted to the next portion. So we got to like sit and hear the music and really study all of the animatronics. And like the one right before the big drop is where we waited the longest and like I got nervous sitting there because the music <laughs> and like the expressions on the animatronics faces. Very there. suspenseful. Yeah. Yep. And we talk about, you know, mind train being super short, long wait. Bang for your buck. I mean, Splash Mountain's almost like like twenty minutes, like twelve to fifteen minutes, something like that. Mm-hmm. You get a lot of ride in one attraction with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean that's a whole we should ask a question about that. Like, what is the best bang for your buck attraction? Because I feel like that's like not people would love Navi River Journey if it was longer. Yeah. Like, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. I have some interesting thoughts on that. <laughs> I, at first, I was like, at first, I got off and I was like, wow, well, that was it. That that doesn't make any sense. I started to like it more and more, but yeah, it's it's got to be like a couple minutes longer. And the difference between Navi River Journey and Splash Mountain is story, right? Mm-hmm. There's no actual story in Navi River Journey. It's just you see some sights, the shaman at the end, you know, <laughs> singing that banger of a, of a tune, um, <laughs> and and you're off the boat. Uh, Splash Mountain is you're immersed in this world. It's all about, you know, um, uh, uh, the world of Br'er Rabbit and stuff and, and the adventures and, and mischief that he gets involved with. So that story aspect is what is what separates the two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hopefully they're, the Imagineers are learning since Rise of the Resistance is supposed to be, what, like 30 minutes? I, I don't think all that will be ride time, but still a much longer experience. And it's all about experience, like you're saying. They're really redefining what an attraction means because in Rise of the Resistance, I don't know, there's a couple of spoiler alerts here. Like this is kind of public, but um, you get on one moving thing that takes you to another area and then you're walking for a while before you get on the second moving element of the attraction. So having the different elements where you're still in line at certain points that's just making the experience on a whole nother level. So it's, you don't always have to be moving. They're really redefining what an attraction means. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agreed. So next one, sticking with attractions, which ride do you, or attraction is, do you think is due for an exit or a refurbishment from the parks? I 
love Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger spin. The technology that we know now uh, today, like with Midway Mania, or I guess it's just Toy Story Mania now, when you ride on, you know, the back of the mighty Ekron at Pandora, mm-hmm. all of that tech is so advanced that I go into Buzz, Light, Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger Spin, and I'm just sad. I'm like, oh, God, nothing ever works in there. Everything's always, like, dirty. The Buzz <laughs> animatronic in the queue only works, like, half the time. I want to, you know, to, to paraphrase uh, the current president, I want to make Buzz great again. Let's... <laughs> Let's do a, some serious overhaul in there. Let's refurb that and restore it to its former glory because it's a fun attraction, you know, battling with your your fellow uh, um, uh, car mates or, or what have you. But it could be so much more fun. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that the Spider-Man attraction in California Adventure will give us a glimpse into what, like, the next wave of shooting type attractions will be. So have you seen anything with the... Ant-Man and the Wasp out in Hong Kong. Ooh, I have. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's going to be, you know, the next element of that. Um, more like a midway mania, but things all around you, like screen-based, but more accurate. Just uh, the ability to have more fun and to tell a, a deeper story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the next question, these are our favorite because they're food. Um, what is your favorite snack or your go-to snack? Favorite snack is, is kind of flies under the radar. I think I actually heard, uh, the Disney dude, uh, Justin, I get, when you guys interviewed him, he mentioned this and I was like, Oh no, the secret's getting out. It's the chicken fried rice at Yak and Yeti, uh, quick service location. Oh my gosh. So good. I love that. And it's cheap. Um, and it fills you up, and it's a really, really good snack. That's kind of beyond the churros, Mickey pretzels, kind of everything that you always see. So I love that fried rice. Mm-hmm. Have we ever had that? I don't think so. We do like Yak and Yeti, like both the table service and the quick service. But I don't know if we've ever done the chicken fried rice. We always and that, get like the spring rolls. Yeah, and like some sort of other chicken, like sweet and sour. Yeah, Chinese kind of chicken. Because the Chicken fried rice is good because you get a lot. They changed sizes recently, but you still get a lot of it. But if you're on the dining plan, it's a snack credit, which is super bang for your buck. Mm. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah, that's a pro tip. Yeah. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) So sticking with food, what is your favorite table service and favorite quick service restaurant? So I don't think I can narrow it down to just one. Uh, Unfortunately, I'll say one of my all-time favorites is Sanaa. Uh, especially for lunch in the Animal Kingdom Lodge, Kadani Village. Really great. Um, I talk about story all the time, it seems like, but I feel like a good Disney restaurant needs a good story, right? It needs good food, good service, and it needs atmosphere and a story. Sanaa tells a really good story. I love being able to see the animals. Bread service is redonkulous, as always. Um, Love Sanaa. Right now, a current other favorite is Homecoming. Uh, in Disney Springs, Chef Art Smith, really, really good Southern food there. Love the story there because he actually was on the Disney College program. So homecoming means he's coming back to his home state of Florida, but he's coming back to Disney as well. When it comes to quick service, I think Satuli Canteen and Pandora, they knocked it out of the park with that one. And I hope 
that continues uh, with, you know, what we're going to get in Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. But I love me some Satuli right now. Both of your table service recommendations we have upcoming reservations at. So we are super excited about those. Yes. Sanaa will actually be the day after this episode drops. So (laughs) that will be good timing. And then in October, we're doing Homecoming. Very cool. Now, Sanaa, are you going for lunch or dinner? It is lunch. We plan to do bread service. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. We'll see what else we get into. (laughs) Maybe. I know Catherine is going to roll her eyes at this. I studied abroad in South Africa, so I'm oh obsessed gosh. with South African wine. <laughs> I did just I roll could, my I eyes. I could hear her rolling her did eyes. just roll the eyes. <laughs> she thinks I'm like a wine snob now, but he is. I, I, I embrace it. <laughs> there's, there's two things I'll say about lunch. I guess there's one thing about lunch, one thing about regular at Sanaa. Um, the tandoori open-faced chicken sandwich on naan. Get that. Thank me later. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. When you get the bread service, you're going to get all nine spices or uh, accoutrements, I guess, nine dips. Ask your server, hey, we'd like to try the 10th sauce. Yes, there's a secret <laughs> sauce that you're only just hearing about now because you listen to Detour and you listen to me. It's very, very spicy, but you know, knowing that little secret just kind of makes you feel good. It makes you feel a little bad. Yeah, even if we don't eat it, it'd be like... Oh, just get it. We have to try it. We get it. We can't be those people. Well, you'll do one of the things where you'll, you know, bring your server over and you'll kind of hide your menu and you'll be like, I heard that there's a uh, secret. (laughs) You got to be a little coy with it. That's the only way they're going to give it to you. Mm. Yeah. Got to give them the secret handshake afterwards. That's funny. We're going to say Connor from uh, WDW Opinion. Yep, you heard of him. He told <laughs> yeah. us about that. I, see, I feel like if they do know me, I'll just be like, well, that's very sad that they know me. I go there too often. And if they don't know me, I'm still going to be sad. So, yeah, you can tell them I told you. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so, moving away from food, what is your favorite character meet and greet moment? I don't have a, a whole lot of character meet and greet moments. Um, I'm not a big character guy. Actually, I've started to become a big character guy thanks to Instagram. Um, I personally am a little creeped out by uh, face characters. I The banter, the back and forth, gives me the heebie-jeebies. So I'll say my favorite character experience was actually one that I had no, I had a part in, but I, I wasn't there to see it. When I was working at the Yacht and Beach Club at the front desk, a, um, a lady was checking in, and she was there with her... Um, uh, uh, her sister who had who had special needs and she's like we really need to see the beast we need to meet the beast and I'm like oh boy all right I'm like that's pretty difficult like he doesn't always meet people it's hard to see him so I rambled off a bunch of things like you can try in France he might be there every once in a while uh, see if you can get something at uh, uh, go to the Beauty and the Beach sh- uh, Beast show at Hollywood Studios she came, you know, a couple days later. She's like, I still, we still can't get it. So I'm like, all right, let me figure something out. I like start, start calling people, like seeing if they could get like a backstage, like meet and greet and stuff. And then I was like, all right, listen, I don't think I can do this here. Here's something. Go up to be our guest restaurant and just like beg to them. Just say, please, could we meet the beast? Because he does meet and greets there. We don't need to do anything else. Came back a couple days. She was over the moon. She said, Connor, we went there. We said, we just want to go in and meet the beast. They're like, yeah, no problem. Went in, met the beast. At the end of it, the cast member there said, 
hey, would you like to stay for dinner? And they're like, uh, yeah. So hearing that story and getting to be kind of a little bit part of the magic is always going to be my favorite character experience. Oh, that's so fun. I love that story. That is Thank you. <laughs> but I, I would, I guess, warn our listeners, probably not going to work for you. <laughs> Don't do yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's special Disney magic for just that that's, one person. Yes. <laughs> it's my special story, all right? Yeah. <laughs> so next one would be your favorite Disney movie. And I know that's a doozy of a question, but we're doing all of Disney's umbrellas, so Star Wars, Marvel, Pixar, everything in there. So I'll go with Pixar and its Toy Story. I always say it's my favorite movie because of the impact that it had on me. It was the first movie I saw in the movie theaters when I was a kid. And... In many ways, I am Andy, right? So, like, loved Toy Story, loved Toy Story 2. Andy goes to college in Toy Story 3 the exact same year that I'm going to college. Um, so I love that, and I love the characters, and I also love how it's all about it's okay to change, right? That whole series is about Woody's one way, Buzz is different, but they're different at the end of it. And it's all right to change. People do change. I think um, that that... It is a good lesson from all those all those stories yeah i totally agree and i think we we heard you talk about toy story on your episode zero and definitely like gives you goosebumps like the whole evolution because we're i would assume we're probably around the same age because we kind of went through the same evolution with toy story and it just gives you those like warm fuzzy feelings and like makes you sob at the end of toy story three every single time yeah, it, it's so much more than than just a movie. It's it's part of your life. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts about Toy Story 4? You know, I'm cautiously optimistic. I mean, I think they're gonna it's gonna be a great movie. Uh, no doubt about it. At first, I was a little selfish because I was like, I know what they're doing. They're trying to get to another generation. I was like, that's my story. You know, that's not that's not for the little kids. Uh, but the more and more I think about it, because it's had such a big impact, because I, you know, um, compare myself to the characters so much, the opportunity for it to have extended life, I'm all for. The opportunity for it to maybe make an impact on other kids that are growing up right now, I think it's awesome. It's a great franchise. I hope they keep up the good content with it. Mm -hmm. I... I don't know. I it's this isn't my interview, so I'm not. I just I think for well, we can flip the table. We can make this your. Oh, you have thoughts on Forky? I just think he. I seems do have incredibly obnoxious, but I do I don't have know. strong opinions on Forky. <laughs> Why isn't his name Sporky? He's a spork, right? Exactly. I went like weeks calling him Sporky until someone was like, "That's not his name. His name is Forky." Also, the fact that they're gonna sell merchandise like that, you got you have to clap it up for for Disney. I mean, he's a plastic spoon. They're gonna they're gonna sell so much stuff. <laughs> it's incredible. Yeah, I don't, and I don't know if you're into Funko Pop collecting. Uh, I'm staring at a sad amount of Funko Pops right in front of me. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I don't know if you're into Funko Pop um, hunting either, but that one is a very difficult one to find. Oh, is it really? Already? Yeah. That's interesting. That one, and there's one of Gabby holding Forky. Oh, my God. That is is already, like, way over its market value. Yeah, I'm not going to be hunting that one down anytime soon. No, me neither. <laughs> so, kind of sticking with favorites, what is your favorite Disney song? 
This one's a little different. I think it's a little out of the box. I'm going to say the theme song from Illuminations. When we talk about Disney stories, Disney movies, Disney attractions, it's all about feelings, right? It's all about emotions. I was racking my brain thinking, I really like this song from this movie or that song from that movie. When I'm in the park and those drums kick in and the first firework goes off, Illuminations has the most emotional impact on me. And I think it's because of that song. So much so where, you know, I, I turn on my computer, put in my headphones all the time. It doesn't have to have the fireworks uh, around exploding to, to have an impact on me. So I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good choice. I don't think we've heard that one before. No, I don't think so either. So next one would be your favorite Disney quote, either from Walt himself or from any of the movies. My favorite Walt Disney quote from himself is the way to get started is to quit talking and begin doing. I think I've hit on it a little bit in this interview of if you have an idea, don't sit on it. Don't dwell on it. Go full heart, body and soul into your idea and go for it. The more and more you talk, the more and more you analyze, the less and less progress you make. You just got to put something out there. Hope that it sticks and be incredibly passionate about it. But the only way to do that is to stop talking, start doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we definitely, we're big fans of that quote as well. And even from like a teacher standpoint, I love that quote. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I think yeah. that's funny. Is that when they're just like not doing their work? Yeah, yeah. stop talking into your work. Walt Disney said it. <laughs> um, here's, a, yeah, here's a paraphrase. Yeah. <laughs> but I love that. So the last fast pass question that we have um, is just your favorite Disney parks memory. I love getting asked this question, but my answers are a little weird. So I always say two answers. I'm going to give you the answer I'm supposed to tell you, the answer you want to hear. And then I'm also going to give you the answer I'm not supposed to say, and, and you don't really care about hearing, but the answer I'm supposed to say, which would appeal to the most Disney parks fans is, I, when I worked at Yacht and Beach Club, we had a great management team. They took us on a lot of backstage tours, which was a great um, perk of working there. I got to do Space Mountain with the lights on. I got to get a backstage tour of Fantasmic. Far and away, the best one was the tour of Haunted Mansion. We woke up super early and we walked the track with two Haunted Mansion cast members. They were great. And you're walking, you know, in and out, weaving in and out of doom buggies. You're touching things. You're, you know, touching the crow at every uh, stop of the way. You're in the attic. Every, you know, scene they're stopping and telling you the stories. And then at the end, they were like, you guys were so good. We have a special treat for you. We walked outside. We walked into another door. Next thing I know, I'm standing in the ballroom scene right next to the dining room table looking at everything. And I just thought to myself, I can't believe I'm actually here. This is something that no like guest gets to do. And that's the Disney park memory I'm supposed to say, because that's just will blow people's minds. The Disney park memory I'm not supposed to say is my favorite Disney park memory is the next Disney park memory, right? We don't know why this place has such an impact on us. We can't define it. We can't try to justify it. We only know that it, it exists. For me in starting WDW Opinion, it was also about creating a way for you to daydream about your next trip, right? We define our lives between Disney trips. We are either there or we're waiting to be there. We're waiting to go there. 
even when we're there, we can't wait to plan our next trip. And that's what keeps us going, right? It's the next time we get to come here, the next time we get to do that. Having that in the back of your head, always saying there's going to be a next time, I'm going to be able to do this again. That's why my favorite Disney memory is also the next Disney memory, because I'm going to keep going until until I can't no more. Mm. Oh, those are both good answers. <laughs> Thank I, God. <laughs> so we're going next week at the time of this recording. Yes. We will be there at the time that this releases. So no, we'll be just coming back. Sorry. Boo. <laughs> Boo for coming back. <laughs> yeah. But no, when you agree. come back, you're just chasing your next your next memory. That's oh, yes. true. For sure. All right. Connor, this has been such an amazing interview. We thank you so much for joining us. But we have one last question for you. And it's if you have one piece of parting guidance that you can give to someone who's looking to jump into this community, either as a content creator or they want to create their own products, maybe a travel planner, whatever it might be, what would be your advice to that person? You have to put the people first. Put the people first. Think of the content. Think of the product second. What does that mean? It means if someone reaches out to you, respond to them. If someone posts something, give them a thought. Give them a share. Give them a like. Whatever it is. Treat people like people. I said it before, but try to be as social as possible. I am a very um, uh, shy person. I think what WDW Opinion has allowed me to do is come out of my shell to connect with people, to connect with you know awesome people like you know Brendan and Catherine, to connect with uh, everyone else in the Disney content creating space, but also the Disney fan space. If you connect with people, if you treat them like people, you'll get very, very far in this community. Yeah, I love that. And I think, um, you know, that kind of sticks with the theme of everything that you've told us today. And that is such good advice. And that is probably something that people don't think about as much when they are, you know, wanting to get into this community, um, which at the end of the day is a community of people um, who you want to connect with and you should want to, you know, talk to and I think it's very easy to think more about the product or the content itself, but at the center of it all, it really is people. So I love that. I also love that. I don't know if it's a conscious or a subconscious thing, but you can still see that you have the cast member mindset, which we all (laughs) love so much, but about putting people first, making things right, like sharing that magic. I think it absolutely kind of transfers through all of your content and I think that's why people enjoy it so much yeah thank you thank you that's that means the world to me to hear you know Disney has always been a part of my life and it's impacted me in so many ways so I think it's always going to be a part of my life yeah absolutely well Connor we have had such a blast chatting with you Uh, we'll have to have you and Hank on later on and talk more about the podcast we do it again Um, but um, if you could remind our listeners where they can connect with you online yeah, absolutely. You can connect with us at WDW Opinion. We are at WDW Opinion on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. That's also, uh, if you head over to WDWOpinion.com, that's where you'll be able to get all the podcast info, get all the um, live stream info. You'll be able to learn more about the Opinioneers community over on Facebook, which I encourage every person who listens to Detour to Neverland to join. It's a ton of fun over there. So just search for WDW Opinion wherever and you'll find us awesome well thank you again so much for joining us we've loved talking to you um and hopefully we can do it again in the future Uh, that would mean the world to me i can't wait to talk to you guys again yeah thanks 
Thank you for listening to Detour to Neverland. Subscribe to the show and leave a review to help more people find us. Follow us on Instagram at Detour to Neverland underscore podcast to see our pictures from the parks. See you real soon.